apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs welcome to throwing jabs i am joe Guire along with jared jones got a lot of fights to cover uh from last weekend some upsets, if you will, 
Uh, and we're going to preview a couple of fights going forward and uh, give you a chance to make some money with our puncher's chance. Now, uh, Jared, we're going to we're going to start light here. Um, Charles Oliveira took care of Justin Gaethje pretty quickly. Uh, Gaethje looked good for about 30 seconds or so. Uh, it, man, you know, I'm not a Charles Oliveira fan. You know this. Starting to believe that uh, maybe this guy is as good, and I, I'm already starting to hear, is he better than Khabib? And then I think to myself, could Jace get his wish here? Would Khabib come back for Charles Oliveira? I really doubt it. I really, really doubt it. Um, I don't see Khabib coming back. But this guy, I was the only one on the train. And I'll tell you what, he's uh, he's he's eclipsed where what I thought he was going to do. Um. Justin Gagey, yes, by his own admission, Tony, is going to have a short career. You don't get a lot of mileage out of a car that you drive like that. Those are his words. Um, that was fast. <laughs> Oliver yeah. just looks so sick in every fight. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I've been picking him and picking him. And <laughs> you guys... Uh, Seem to be uh seem to be slowly coming over onto the uh Oliveira train for sure. Well, you know, my other thing, I mean, he, I feel like he still gets clipped in all of these fights. There's always those moments. I mean, even going back to the Poirier fight where you know, un until he slaps the submission on you, you think the other guy might be able to pull it off because and I I see the stand-up game has certainly improved on him, but I don't know. There's, there's, when he gets the submission locked in, you're done. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of who's gonna, who's gonna be able to get away from that. Uh, the only way Khabib comes back is if Oliveira rags Mahakov. Yeah. I, and I'd like to see, I mean, again, I think Mahakov is somebody who kind of, I mean, I don't think he's at Oliveira's level by any means, but I think that's a guy who I think has the weaponry and and the sensibility to. He I don't has even a know way to is. win. He has a way to win. There he has you a go. Way to win. What's that's the Archer and Mark Hawkeye? Yeah, yeah, he sucks. Like he's not. He's he's a he's a dad with a bow and arrow. Like as far as being a superhero, but. He has a way to win. Long distance shot. Um, I say Oliveira is more versatile, has the the upper hand everywhere else. But um, Mahayev has oh, oh, does have a way to beat him. And that's not something you can say for a lot of other guys in the division, that they have a, a path to victory against Oliveira. This guy's so versatile. Yeah, you know, since Oliveira turned it around, I'll bring up the Paul Felder fight because it, it makes me feel good to say that uh it's obviously been a while since that fight happened uh would he won 12 in a row since then so yeah you know i think going in there this is a guy that can take a lot of punishment I'm thinking back to the to the fight with uh tony ferguson 
Mm. Um, I was just know, getting ready to bring that fight up. Yeah, you know, Oliveira, that's the problem. Oliveira, yeah, hands are totally underrated. Tony just said in the comments, um, he always gets tagged. He's a tough guy. Mm. And I, uh, wherever he found the heart after the Felder fight, I'm telling you, this is a different guy. You, you've seen it in him for a while, but yeah, I mean, he's dangerous. He's quick when he sinks the submission and you're done. And if you can roll out a one, I just watched a video of him last night. Uh, like, uh, I think his 10 submissions and in, in several of, he had one where he had a guy in a heel hook and the guy did a really nice job of getting out of it. And he still was able to keep the foot in and he turned his knee out and rolled him and he tapped on that. It's like this guy's this guy's so creative. He's creative in ways that it makes me think of Khabib, where you can roll out of one thing and he'll just put you in another. And and again, that's like a different level of fighting. I don't know if Mahakov can do that. I'd like to go back and see Jace's facial expression when excuse me, Oliveira was getting ready to fight Ferguson, and I said Oliveira was one of the most dynamic strikers in the game. And he said, more dynamic striker than Tony Ferguson? Now, here we are, what, two years later? Yeah. Like, just to see the video, because he was so shocked that I was so sold on Oliveira. I remember him being, Oliveira's not that good. And now he's, he's, I'm being perfectly honest here, eclipsed what I thought he would do. I thought he was capable of all of these things, but like you said, you had serious question marks and they raised questions for me, but I still thought he had the tools to put it all together. And uh, he's done that in space. He's definitely, definitely done that. Let's talk about Tony Ferguson for a minute, um, who bounced back pretty well after the fight on Twitter, but, Tony Ferguson can't beat anybody right now. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. That was about as vicious a knockout. And I understand it could happen to anybody, but I think that guy was was gonna be in for a beatdown anyway. It, it it I mean, Tony Ferguson is just not the same guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that we're ever getting that guy back. No, we just lost to Dana White in a slam poetry competition. <laughs> um, he's not winning anything. <laughs> he just can't win anything. And he's, I think he's completely delusional about it. Not quite at, at Deontay Wilder delusional level, but where he's like, back to work. I, and it's like, dude, everyone's knocking you out. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck Liddell. Where those press conferences got like, you're, I mean, you know, I've said it before, Ronda Rousey, you can't get your ass kicked like that and then carry that same mystique into WWE. If she'd left three fights earlier, right? She would have had that, you know, ah, and people would have been like, oh, she's really that, but she's not. And we know she's not. And she couldn't do that in real life. So she went somewhere where she could pretend she was doing it. Pretty good gig. <laughs> Uh, this was not a great co-main event. Carlo Esparza 
with the split decision mm-hmm. victory. <laughs> against Carlos Garza, spell it with three Zs from oh, now yeah. on. <laughs> uh, this, you know, listen, uh, after the fight, uh, Rose said some some stuff. And, you know, it's funny when when uh, when Izzy has a fight like this and he doesn't throw a, a punch, uh, people talk about how great his defense is and his ability to not get hit. And I understand Rose kind of asking the same question. Like, I can't have, like, a defensive battle. I can't stuff takedowns and I I get no – it's a snooze fest? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, that's how it works. That's the world that we live in. That was a terrible fight. Um, I saw – I I found this upsetting. I mean, there were people who were like, this is why women should never – have main events and I thought don't don't discredit the Shevchenko's and the Nunez's of the world because there was one bad women's fight and again this and the Katie Taylor Serrano right? fight I that mean, just again, blew the roof off. Come on. It, it, for for because of one bad fight. One bad fight that one time. I mean give me a break with that. Well, and Rose has been one of the more exciting fighters to watch. This was, I, I, I really feel like this was um, Rousey after the first round again, her butt kicked and Hey, you look great out there. You're looking beautiful, princess. Everything you want to do, this is great. They're booing. That's a great thing. Um, now, if you've been watching the show, you know how much I love Carla Esparza. Um, yeah, yeah. She's a snooze fest every time she fights. I can't stand it. It's like she doesn't want to fight. And um, this was just sad for Rose. Uh, Have you seen any of Pat Berry's comments? Yeah, Pat Berry should move somewhere underground. What an idiot. For a while, yeah. She followed the game plan to a T and... didn't stick to the game plan and that's why she lost but she also lost because she didn't know when to abandon the game plan he's like totally contradicting himself out here and every time she went back to the corner you're like when is he gonna tell her to do something the thing that pissed me off here is that whenever carla did what she wanted so it looked like rose was defending against the takedown and not wanting it to go to the ground and feeling like if she had a stand-up defensive battle she had a, a good chance to win. That obviously was back and forth and kind of up in the air because nobody did anything. But when Carla got her to the ground, she got right back up. When Carla got her in a clinch, she shrugged her right off. If you're winning in the grappling game, you're winning in the stand-up, you're winning wrestling, you're winning submission, you're winning every facet of the game but you're so concerned with the wrestling that you lose the fight because you did nothing. You fought Carla's fight because that's what Pat Barry told you to do. You can't, I would never train my kids. I say it over and over again. I'll train them to box. I'll show them the fundamentals. They want to get serious. I'm calling in a Scully. I'm calling in somebody else to train these kids how to fight a Johnny Callis, Somebody who's not their father, because that doesn't work. Uh, Rose's fiance, and he's too emotionally invested to be her corner or explain her loss. There it is. He couldn't do it. He was seeing something different than the rest of us saw, because that was his female out there. That's how it works. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, it was sad for Rose because you're taking somebody's advice that you care about and that you trust, and they're floating you up the way because they're they're not being realistic about what they're seeing. Now I'm gonna point out. Obviously, one of these judges saw this fight quite differently, right? I mean, this was close, 48-47, 47-48, I get it, 49-46, and that's fine. I mean, maybe you maybe you scored that one 49-46. The only reason I bring that up is because of this nonsense. Uh, Dimitri Bibble retains the WBA light heavyweight title, a unanimous decision victory over Canelo Alvarez that all three judges scored this thing 115 to 113. I had it 118 to 110. What did you have this fight as? Uh 117, 111. Okay, right. Um, um I feel I like though, now hang on. To be fair, the first four rounds, there were maybe two three swing rounds and it's and it's the pat berry effect where you're watching something different you see you think canelo's the favorite he's 5 to 1 he's going to come in and dominate you watch the first round and you go canelo right then you watch the same, second round and you go is this not canelo and then you watch the third round and you go like is it this is this is, is it Bivol? And that's what I think happened. It took till the fourth, fifth, sixth round to go, oh my God, Canelo's getting his ass kicked. And those close rounds, they just kind of aired with caution and gave to Canelo so that at the end, it looked closer than it was. But at the end of the day, the right guy got the fight. Bivol won. He beat Canelo. He's a bigger guy. Canelo shot for the stars. This was just like Loma Lopez. Where Loma's going up to fight a bigger guy who's not in his class. Pound for pound, the answer to this question is still Canelo Alvarez. The same way it's still Loma over Lopez, pound for pound. The same way it's still Israel Adesanya over Blahovich, pound for pound. Even though they lost to this guys. Yeah, and you see, yeah, yeah. And Baturbiev, can you now, can please... Please, can we admit that Baturbiev would smash this guy? Yes. And that's the guy Bivol needs to fight. Yes. Yes. Okay. See, I, I knew Bivol was going to beat Alvarez for exactly the reason I thought Baturbiev would destroy Alvarez. And I 100% stand by that now. And I like Bivol's idea. You want to do the rematch? I'll come down to you. I'll take oh, all yeah. the belts. That's how that should go. I don't oh, yeah. see that going any other way. But yeah, as far as uh, Canelo Alvarez ever fighting Usyk or anybody in heavyweight, you could put that to bed now. That's for sure. I give Alvarez credit for the move up. But again, I think he thought I could beat Bibble. Not worried about that. And and then I'll see where I'm at as far mm. as Baturbiev. Uh, and, and he got absolutely dismantled. I have one more fighter to put on that list that I don't like there at all, but he belongs. Um, and his name's Conor McGregor. He had a double title fight against Dos Santos, I think, set up. And when that fell through, he went all the way up to 
there were talks of him like three weight classes up. Then he ended up with Nate Diaz, who is a bigger person. He was just shooting for be great. And I respect that. I love that about these guys. Kudos, Canelo. Like you won, you won me as a fan with this loss more than you won me with any win you've ever had. You won me as a fan with this loss because this is where champions are made. Katie Taylor. If you didn't love Katie Taylor and you watched four, five, and six, and then watched her turn it around and finish that fight, man, you don't you don't like the fight game if that didn't get your heart pumping. And Canelo fought his ass off. He got beat by a bigger, better guy. But uh, that's what you want to see from your champions. That's kind of how you want them to go out. Keep punching that shoulder and, and, and carry out your game plan and see if you can make this work. Again, if, if I'm going to nitpick on this a little bit, he went with Bivol, not Baturbiev. So, so a, a brave move up. Fighting a big, I mean, all the things you said, I 100% agree with. If he lost to Paterbiev, I, I would be like, well, I mean, that was a big, huge step up. Wow. He picked Bivol for a reason, and it blew up in his face. And so I know Clarissa Shields is upset. People are, you know, I did say Bivol was going to win this, uh, despite everyone kind of laughing in my face last week. And I get it. Um, but but so so for Clarissa Shields, no, not everybody thought Alvarez was going to win. Uh, so so that's for starters. And again, he picked Bivol because he thought he could beat Bivol, not Paterbiev. I That's all I got. Canelo's great. I noticed on most pound for pound lists, he only dropped from one to two. He didn't drop out of the top five as I would have done. Um. But again, credit for credit, like you said. I mean, you're you're fighting a guy who was a much bigger human being, completely controlled the fight. wasn't much you could do. You couldn't really hurt the guy. It put it put Canelo in a spot that I'm sure a lot of the the Billy Joes and the Caleb's Caleb's of the world they understand exactly what that is. Oh, and this, yeah, this this girl. Oh she's, yeah. Uh, She's 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 gonna get Savannah Marshall and get beat up. When we started this show, I had five fighters were gonna come up and be and and who they were gonna be. Uh Baturbiev Canelo might be off the table. Several got lost to Nganu. I've had a couple not go my way. Uh, but Shields Savannah Marshall still very much in play and Savannah Marshall beats Clarissa Shields even Ortiz Spence man I've only gotten one of those so far Ortiz got sick here hmm uh Ortiz Bud I meant Bud Crawford will lose to Victor Ortiz Jr. Virgil Ortiz Jr. we'll see you still got you still got some hope. Could still happen. Yeah, well, yeah. and Savannah, Savannah beats Shields is all day. Watch their fights. Watch them fight. And they fought in the amateurs and Shields lost. It's the last time she lost. I don't know how she's the greatest ever when there's a girl in her weight class that beat her that she hasn't fought yet. And they're both undefeated. How are you the greatest ever? I beat you in the amateurs. We're both undefeated professionals in the same weight class. 
and you're the greatest of all time. Maybe just shut up. <laughs> well, again, it explains why she would be defending Canelo Alvarez here. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know. Um, this uh, We got a pretty cool... Uh, uh, I got to give Jace a little bit of credit. He's not here, unfortunately, today. I have COVID. You had foot surgery yesterday. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a tough life that we live here. Yeah, that looks pretty bad. Yeah, I'm on day four of COVID. Hate it. <laughs> but here's the who you got. It's the most underrated upsets. We all know the big upsets. We're talking about underrated upsets. Throughout the history of combat sports, not necessarily the biggest upsets, just very underrated upsets, the ones that don't get the respect that they deserve. What do you got? Um, I had one for uh, boxing, Corey Sanders. I don't think that fight gets really the uh, what it should when, when he knocked out Klitschko. Um, Rockman, there's a lot of big ones. I think the mystique of Mirko Krokop and the manner in which Gabriel Gonzaga folded him up was become a very, very underrated upset because Krokop didn't build that mystique in the under the promotion that they ended up fighting, I think was part of it. He came over, but if you watch the buildup to that fight. Crow Cop was just supposed to throw a high kick and ended in the first 10 seconds. And Gabriel Gonzaga shocked everyone. Um, two more things here. Uh, Ebo Elder beat Courtney Burton, came back, knocked him out. Both eyes swelled shut, crying blood. Beautiful fight. Shocker. Watch that. And finally, uh, just... Emmanuel Augustus. If you don't know this guy, you should. One of my favorite fighters of all time. And it's not so much one upset, but he beat David Toledo. He wasn't supposed to do that. He got a a, a, a draw with Sora Sonnegaard. Beat Thaxton. Uh, gave uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. says his toughest fight to date is Emmanuel Augustus. Lost a 10-round decision to Mickey Ward, but won a judge. Like, this guy fought everybody. Draw with Lavander Johnson. That wasn't supposed to happen. Alex Trujillo, first loss. Uh, draw with Aguilar. Split decision to Courtney Burton. He won that fight. If you've ever heard the clip of, uh, of Teddy Atlas freaking out. That's a Courtney Burton, Emmanuel Augustus fight. Augustus beat Ray Oliveira. He wasn't supposed to do that. Just got fight after fight after fight, a who's who of everybody. Emmanuel Augustus, he finished his career with 38 wins and 34 losses. He just fought everybody. And he's, he would make this list three or four times. If I were putting a top 10 together, Emmanuel Augustus, go check the guy out. Just watch his highlights. Fantastically entertaining. It's funny. Every time you bring him up and you say that, you send me highlight clips. 
<laughs> so I look forward to getting more of those probably later today. Is um, a best fighter with 34 losses you've ever seen in your life. Right? I'll tell you what. You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong about that. Um, all right. I, I've got a, I've got some. I'm gonna go with two against the Klitschko's. Uh Chris Bird uh over mm. uh over Vitaly uh Klitschko and Tyson Fury over Vladimir Klitschko uh effectively ending the Klitschko era of boxing. Um, you know, I think people forget too Tyson Fury at the time was still a nobody, undefeated, but hadn't beaten anybody. Uh, that was huge. My brother gave me this one. I'm not going to try to claim this one as my own, but Schmeling versus Lewis won. Schmeling uh, noticed he was he he would throw a and and he figured it out and he and he dropped him twice and Schmeling wins the first fight. Well, Lewis goes back, watches the video, sees what he did wrong, and then obviously goes back and knocks out Schmeling. Uh, in round one, becomes a national hero, 25 title defenses, and doesn't lose another uh, fight again uh, because he learned a very valuable lesson in, in that fight. Um, the uh, God almighty, I hate trying to say this dude's name, but Siskarat Soaring. Oh. Uh, his his win over Chocolito came in at yeah. 45 and 0, or 46 and 0. Um a huge upset and one I, I don't think gets enough credit. Another guy moving up. Chocolatito yeah. moved up for that fight. Bigger guy. Yeah. Right? A again, against sort of a guy who, I mean, again, I uh, I think uh, uh, Siskarat was 42 and four, but 17 of his opponents, Jared, were making their debut in professional boxing. <laughs> Didn't um, look like much. Yeah. Antonio Tarver. Um, beating Roy Jones Jr. Oh, yes. Um, heartbreaker for me. Uh, Roy Jones was my favorite fighter. Still, probably is my favorite fighter. Uh, but that was a left-handed dagger in the heart. Uh, Shane Mosley destroying Margarito. More recently, how about uh your Dennis Ugas over Manny Pacquiao? Even you know? Georgie uh, Cambosis. Oh, I was going to say, you know, if you want to get super current, uh, what a huge upset that was, right? Camposas. Um, and I'm going to throw one out for Tony. He didn't give me this one, but Randolph Turfin against Sugar Ray Robinson mm. was a huge, huge upset at the time. Outside of heavyweight division, it's often talked about amongst boxing historians as one of the greatest upsets. It was 70 years ago. That's why nobody talks about it. Tony, maybe you could comment and tell us more about that, but that was, uh, that was a little nod to you, sir. 1980, 41. Oh, wow. You really dug deep on that one. I did. 34. I did. Okay. I want to throw Orlando Salido on here over Loma. I know it was a title fight. I know it was early for Loma, but he was – Supposed to win that fight. Well, I and think especially look at it in hindsight, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. He turns around and beats Gary Russell in his next fight, you know? Yeah, that was uh, tough. 
Salido, 12 losses. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, looking back on that, good win for him. Underrated upset. 10 to 1 underdog Turpin ended Robinson's first run as middleweight champ. 10 to 1 underdog, Jared. Jeez. Buster, they say, was 43, and it was like a, a quack bet that only one place was like nobody had lines on the fight. Right. Yeah. So when I, they say 42, 43, they're guessing from some little back alley bookie that was trying to do a joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got his ass kicked, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> for his little joke. All right. Um, that was fun. Not a ton of MMA um, minor upsets. There weren't a lot that I. Well, Gonzaga. Gabriel Gonzaga was, was a good one. One of the biggest. That was one of the. But again, it, it almost qualifies as like a yeah. major upset. You know, like yeah. I was thinking about Sarah and, and GSP and it's like, yeah, but that's like an all time. What? You know, yeah. there's not a ton of them where. Yeah. Just didn't get the acclaim it deserved. Yeah. He also stopped Robinson in a rematch as well in cuts, and the ref gave Robinson one more round to get it done, which he did by stoppage because, yeah, he's the greatest. (laughs) All right. um, Got a couple of fights we're going to preview. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're talking Charlo and Castano and Blahovich and Rakic. That is coming up right after this. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I want to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is? People over paychecks, do the damn thing. And that's what we do. Saturday Night Live at the Apex in Las Vegas. It's UFC on ESPN 36 featuring a main event between former lightweight champion Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rakic. Let's break it down. Alexander Rakic is 30 years old. He's 6'5 with a 78-inch reach and a record of 14-2 with nine knockouts. From Vienna, Austria, he took up boxing and kickboxing in his teens as a way to channel his aggression as he was kicked off of his soccer team for fighting and had over 40 fights before switching over to MMA in October of 2011, losing his professional debut via guillotine choke. Over the next six years, he went 8-1, and one, all wins by way of stoppage, including a third-round knockout of Marcin Pacino before making his UFC debut in 2017 with a unanimous decision 
over Francimar Barroso. After defeating Justin Ledet by decision, he blew out Devin Clark by first-round TKO, then earned his first performance of the night bonus with a 42-second head kick knockout of USC veteran Jimmy Manoa. Six months later, despite most media outlets scoring the fight in his favor, he dropped a controversial split decision to Vulcan Oldsdemir, but bounced back in August of 2020 with a dominant unanimous decision over light heavyweight mainstay Anthony Smith. On March 6, 2021, he took on number four contender Thiago Santos, with each fighter throwing at an uncharacteristically slow and measured pace, with Rockage pulling out the unanimous decision in a rather lackluster affair. A heavy-handed counter-striker, Rockage uses a combination of feints, vicious calf kicks, and his exceptional reach to control the distance and possesses knockout power in either hand. Jan Blachowicz is 39 years old. He's 6'2 with a 78-inch reach and a record of 28-9 with eight knockouts and nine submissions. From Cezanne, Poland, he began training in martial arts at the age of nine, initially in judo and then transitioning over to Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He made his professional MMA debut in February of 2007 in the Polish Fighting League KSW, losing by decision, and in his next appearance defeated three opponents in one night with two knockouts. He quickly went 17-3, becoming the KSW light heavyweight champion, and then made his UFC debut in 2014 with a first-round knockout of Ayer Latifi. His career in the UFC was spotty at first, losing decisions to Jimmy Manoa, Corey Anderson, and Alexander Gustafson, but was able to turn it around in the second half of 2017 when he submitted Devin Clark via rear naked choke and then defeated Jared Cannonier by unanimous decision. The following year, he avenged his loss to Jimmy Manoa and submitted Nikita Krylov before getting knocked out by a counter-left hook by Thiago Santos. He came back five months later with a second-round knockout of Luke Rockhold and after beating Jacare Souza, got his revenge on Corey Anderson with a vicious right cross knockout in the first round. On September 27, 2020, he took on Dominic Reyes for the vacant light heavyweight title, battering his ribs with a barrage of kicks before knocking him out in the second round with a counter left hook. In March of 2021, he made his first title defense against middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, outletting the pound-for-pound phenom 107-78 and utilizing his superior size and grappling skills to completely dominate the fourth and fifth rounds en route to a wide unanimous decision. Six months later, he defended the title against longtime contender Glover Teixeira, getting dominated in the first round by the UFC veterans wrestling and then losing his belt three minutes into the second round when he was submitted via rear naked choke. An intelligent and well-rounded counter-striker, Blahovich uses a solid jab and savage liver kicks to maintain distance and wear his opponents down and possesses lethal knockout power in his left hand. Will the size and slick countering striking of Rockich give him the edge as he continues his rise up to light heavyweight rankings? Or will experience and legendary Polish power of the former champion prove to be too much as he seeks to reclaim UFC gold? Tune in Saturday night to UFC on ESPN, Blahovich vs. Rockich, and let's find out. All right, Jared, what do you think? Blahovich. And Rockich, who you got here? Uh, this is a really, really tough fight. I'm taking uh, Rocket uh, based on the decade of youth. 
that he has over Blahovich. And also, uh, if you look at this guy's record, he lost his his first fight uh, to Christian Radke. Um, the Ozdemir, did you watch that fight? Have you seen yeah. the uh, – who won? Who would you have? Who would I have or who did they have? Ah, who did you have? Uh, I thought he won that fight. I thought I thought Rock won did enough. Yep. So if you give him that win, it's 15 straight, including Thiago Santos, Anthony Smith, uh, Manawa in 47 seconds of the first round, who went the distance twice with Blahovich, a win and a loss. Uh, so there's a common opponent. I just think 10 years younger and with the mileage on Blahovich, and when you look at the records, this is this is gonna be a really, really tough guy to beat. And I'll take I'll take Rocket. I really like Blahovich a lot. What he's done over the last few years of his career up until obviously his last fight, um, where he, he lost his belt. I I do agree with you though, as far as I think you know, I like the decade of experience. I don't like the decade of age. He's really getting up there in age. He's fighting a, a young guy with great cardio, a guy who's a, a taller, bigger guy. And I think that's going to be too much for Jan. And I'll tell you, you know, again, in, in going through the, for all the talk of the Polish power, He's not like a real big one-punch knockout guy. He's more of a, a heavy volume guy. And I I don't know. I don't see it against this guy. I don't I don't I don't see Jan getting it done against against Rockage. I, I I don't I don't see it. And I hate to say that because I do like Jan and and he definitely turned his career around. Uh, the fact that he's, you know, put gold around his waist it means the world. My brother sent me a video the other day where he talked about uh, losing the belt and how it tasted like shit. And he doesn't even know what that tastes like, but he does now. Um, this is really do or die for Blahovitz. He loses, it's over. I think a fight between him and Rojaska would have been really entertaining press conference. The crazy shit these guys say. Yeah, I I, I think this is going to be super tough for, for Blahovich. You know, I mean, again, they, it, it, I'm not saying Blahovich doesn't have a chance. Well, I, what's you know, his chance? How does he win? What's his path? His his path to me is not getting knocked out. Which grind out the win. Grind yeah. out a win. Do some takedowns. Yeah, you know. Some Esparza's. Right, yeah. You know, I I think you hope that 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 you know maybe maybe Rockage thinks he's up in the fight, maybe he is up in the fight, and you're just grinding it out, and you're just not you're just not getting knocked out. I I mean I don't see him knocking Rockage out at all. I I don't think that's possible. Um, you know, can he submit him again? He's got submissions in his career. He he does you know on on a takedown, you throw a guillotine in. Who knows? It's highly unlikely, I think. Only one of these guys has been knocked out, yeah. You know, again, I mean, we've we've seen Blahovich and and the it's really it's the volume he comes in. He got he got you know taken out by uh, Dos Anjos doing exactly that. 
So, yeah, I, I, I hate to, I hate to say it. Yeah, uh, grind it out with the with the sidekicks like you did to Reyes. This is a younger, tougher guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I, I want to say Rakich may, maybe even ends this one. Third round, knockout TKO kind of thing. Um, I think the over under is actually. Let me bring it up so I don't muff this. Here we are. Uh, yeah, four and a half, and it's a coin toss. And I love the under there. Yeah, I I would. Jeez, rock third round stop. That's a good call, Joe. I'll take yeah. it. Circle gets square. Okay, not not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, I I'll tell you though, I, I'm always bummed for a guy like that. You know, uh, at, at this stage of his career fighting a younger uh, an up-and-comer man uh rocket has been so good you know i don't know it, it it makes me sad but what are you gonna do all right you know there is a boxing match also coming up tonight it's a rematch here's the breakdown Three belt unified world champion Jermel Charlo and fellow world champion Brian Castano meet in a rematch of one of 2021's best fights as each fighter seeks to become the first ever undisputed 154-pound champ in the four-belt era. Let's break it down. Brian Castano is 32 years old. He's 5'7 with a 67-inch reach and a record of 17-0-2 with 12 knockouts. From his Diro Casanova, Argentina, Castano took up boxing at the age of 11 under the tutelage of his father, Carlos. He won gold at the South American Games and competed in 2009 World Amateur Championships and the World Series of Boxing, picking up wins over future luminaries Errol Spence and Sergei Derevyachenko. After amassing an amateur record of 181-5-5, he turned pro in September of 2012 with a fourth-round knockout over Alejandro Dominguez. He then won his next 11 with eight knockouts before knocking out Emmanuel De Jesus with a right cross to the body in round six to win the WBA interim super welterweight title. He followed it up eight months later with a very close split decision over Michael Soro and then dominated Francis Cedric V2, stopping him late in the 12th round. The following year, he was promoted to regular champion after Demetrius Andrade vacated the belt and he defended it against the always dangerous former champion, Isolande Lara retaining his title with a split decision draw. In June of 2019, the WBA, for purely political reasons, stripped Castano of his title for not taking a rematch with mandatory challenger Cedric Vitu, and in his next fight, dominated Nigeria's Wale Amatoso, who refused to come out for the fifth round. On February 13, 2021, Castano defeated Brazil's Patrick Teixeira by a 12-round unanimous decision to win the WBO light middleweight title. And five months later, he took on unified champion Jermel Charlo, engaging in an exciting back-and-forth brawl that ended in a split draw. A strong pressure fighter with a high work rate and enormous stamina, Castano was excellent at closing the distance, staying on top of his opponents, and setting up his knockouts with a sustained body attack. Jermel Charlo's 31 years old. He's 5'11 with a 73-inch reach and a record of 31-1-1 with 18 knockouts. 
From Houston, Texas, Charlo and his twin brother Jermal began boxing as kids when they started following their father to the gym. In 2005, he won a bronze medal in the Junior Olympics, and after compiling an amateur record of 56-8, and eight, he turned pro in 2007 with a unanimous decision over Corey Somerville. After going 20-0 with 10 knockouts, he defeated Demetrius Hopkins by unanimous decision to win the IBF-USBA light middleweight title. He followed that with a 10th-round TKO over Jose Rodriguez, and after solid wins over the likes of Gabe Rosado, Charlie Ota, and Wayne's Materiosian, he came back from a seven-round deficit to knock out John Jackson with a right and two left hooks to claim the vacant WBC title. He made three successful defenses of that belt, including a six-round knockout of Charlie Hatley, a first-round blowout of Erickson Lubin, and a majority decision over Austin Trout. On December 22, 2018, he took on challenger Tony Harrison, losing his title by a controversial unanimous decision. He bounced back six months later, knocking out number one contender Jorge Cota with a vicious right to the jaw, and on December 21, 2019, went back his title with a dominant performance, dropping Harrison three times en route to an 11th round stoppage. In September of 2020, he took on WBA and IBF champion Yason Rosario in a highly anticipated unification match, dominating the fight from the start and scoring knockdowns in the first and sixth rounds before dropping Rosario for the count in round eight with a powerful jab to the midsection. On July 17, 2021, he faced WBO champion Brian Castano with both men getting rocked multiple times in an action-packed slugfest that ended in a highly controversial split draw. Perhaps the most well-rounded junior middleweight in the world, Charlo is a highly skilled boxer with a solid one-two and devastating power in both hands. Will Castano's relentless pressure and body assault be enough to wear Charlo down, or will Iron Man's advantages and experience, reach, and power carry him to undisputed junior middleweight gold? Tune in Saturday night to Charlo vs. Castano 2, and let's find out. I don't know how it is that both of the graphics, the open and close to that video, have the wrong date on them. That is definitely uh, a huge mistake on my part. I just noticed that as it was happening. How do you see the, the rematch going here, Jared? I see it being today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very um, funny. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. Duly noted. All right. Got that one. Got that pick in the bag. Um, I, I got to go the same way. I went the first time with Castano, don't I? I mean, the numbers look completely different this time around. They, uh, the odds makers are definitely saying this is a much closer fight than they did the first time. And I thought Castano won the first fight. I also think if one of them is really going to go back to the lab and make wholesale adjustments, it's probably not Charlo. We've seen him need to do that and not do that in the past. I, I like Castano here. This is, a, this is a tough fight, though. This is a tough one to pick. You know, I don't, I don't completely disagree with what you're saying. I think Charlo's the better fighter. I okay. think Castano fought his best fight in the first one. And he might have won the fight, Jared. I mean, I, I – I, Tough to say. He got tagged a lot. He's a sloppy fighter. Uh, this, for anybody who doesn't know, if, if you're not familiar with the Charlos, this is the less good one. Uh, 
this is the uh this is the this is the brother who's not as good. So um I do think the Anthony Peterson. The hilarious. The <laughs> other Darrell brother. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Costano needs to fight the fight of his life again for this to even be close. If Costano isn't ready to play, I think Charlo's skill set is one that it, he could make quick work of him. I don't think he's going to. And, I, and I'll be honest, Jared, I wouldn't be shocked if Costano wins this fight. But I think if I'm looking at it on paper and I'm thinking, does Costano have another absolute banger in him? They both got clipped a lot in that fight. Again, Costano's a tough guy. The so, hungrier guy, the more right? durable guy. Definitely and the I hungrier think guy. From a fight like that, better than Charlo will. I don't know, man. This is I a wouldn't. Tough one. I'm gonna pick Charlo. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick a. Uh, I'm gonna say this is a decision. I don't. I'm not gonna say a split decision because that would be. <laughs> uh, but I. I think he wins this one uh, on the judges' scorecard. I think it's gonna be another close fight. That said. I'm not shocked if if you're right and Castano wins and this is just that guy that he can't beat. He's got trouble handling. Yeah, and well, this is the type of guy uh this is the type of guy that you that you want against a Charlo. If you want him to lose, you need a volume puncher, straightforward, hungry. <laughs> I don't the think power the that be. Guys- will allow charlo to lose on decision yeah that's that's a solid point um 115 113 bivel mm. ah. all right i guess yeah <laughs> I, I i mean listen i think if costano has to knock out charlo to win this fight that makes this a much tougher task yes judging by the first fight can Castano knock him out? Yeah, I think he could. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be anything early, uh, but I think the way these two are banging it out, you know, maybe seventh, eighth round, you clip somebody good, they don't get up. Um, I, I, I could sort of see it maybe. I think that's your best case scenario for a Castano win, knowing that it's going to be hard to to win the scorecards, but. Yeah, I think it's possible. I like Castano. I'd love to see Castano win this fight, if I'm just being honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As far as just the fighters, I like one of them a lot better than the other, for sure. I've never been a huge fan of the Charlos. There were uh, the chin checkers. Oh, Curtis Stevens. And uh, I can't. Jadon Codrington was the other guy's name. And there's a clip of Alan Green, like before the fight, they did that little 15-second ESPN. Uh, when he gets in the ring with Alan Green, he's going to realize that his whole career has been just a fairyland place that is all made up and reality's going to hit him hard. And Alan Green broke his neck in 30 seconds. I don't know if you've seen it. Slumped Jadon Codrington through the ropes. There's a, there's a punch out reenactment of it um wow and he'd never fought anybody you look you watch the highlights before that they're fighting old guys they got like the ring of white hair one of them and the beer gut and he's fighting at 160 and what is going on right now um 
And I got a little bit of that with these two brothers coming up and how good are they really and how much of this is just hype and guys they can knock out. Yeah, no. I don't um, care for Jamel at all. Jamal, on the other hand, while he looks just like him, is a very different animal and a, <laughs> a guy I happen to like a lot. Um. Do you want to try to make us some money here? Can we can we put a little something together on some fights and and make some cash or or how do you see this going? How do you want it to go? Where are we putting the dough, Jared? You're good at this. I got uh I threw an MMA fight in this one. I actually sent it to you if you can throw it up there. Um there's two boxing matches, one MMA match. The first boxing match is uh is Tony Yoko. I uh, expect Tony Oka to win. This is one of the fights I'm most sure of. Martin Ilunga is who he's fighting. Uh, second boxing match, Ella Zorro fighting James Farrell. I think that's pretty clear. And uh, two guys that came over from the LFA in uh, Andre Petrosky and Nick Maximov. I like Maximov to win that fight. All three of them together. 10 wins you 12 or something. It ends up being plus money. So I'm parlaying those three. I actually am going to pull that up in a minute. I did not see that come in via the, the, uh, the text message, but if you give me a second, I will throw this up there. All right. All right. That is not going to work. So here's what I am going to do. I'm going to flash it up this way. Boom. Yeah. There it is. That's Max Maximov down the bottom there at plus uh, minus 350. That's your MMA. Those top two are your boxing matches, Yoka and Zoro. And you parlay all three of those, you end up with plus money. All right, there you have it, people. You want to make some money, do what Jared says. Um, you know, it's funny. We're in a group, in a, in a little Facebook chat group, Jared, and you're constantly telling our buddies how to make some money. And I, and I, don't, I don't see a lot of them cashing in because they, for some reason or another, they, they don't actually place the bets. And I do. And <laughs> we win money, Jared, all the time. Oh, yeah. That's why we're doing the puncher's chance, people. Take advantage. That's all I'm saying. They've got uh they've got uh on Bet Online, they've got a new um prop bet that I haven't really seen before for stoppage with um no action. So like I think Rakic or Blahovich could get the stoppage, right? But if I believed only one guy was capable of stopping the other, which I really like Rakic, he's never been stopped. So you've got a prop bet out there, probably like minus 400 or something, that if it goes the distance, there's no action. You win if your guy gets the knockout, and the only way you lose is if your guy gets knocked out. So Bohovich would have to knock out Rockick for you to lose that prop bet. Um, I haven't seen it before, just recently, and uh, it's a good one. I like it. Here it is. Blahovich Rockick. 
uh, method of victory. Wins inside the distance. Rockick is minus 165. We have an addition to the puncher's chance. <laughs> wow, I thought that would be three or 400. So Rockick at minus 165. And if it goes the distance, there's no action. Got it? So straight Rockick, 50 wins 30. And the only way you lose is if Blahovich knocks out Rocket. He's never been stopped before. Sounds like good money. You know, when people talk about gambling, the, the gambling part is you don't know what you're doing or talking about, right? That's the gamble is taking a shot on something. When you get information from someone who knows what they're talking about and is constantly winning money doing that, you should listen. That's all I'm going to say. All right. This is, hang on. This is one, two, uh, three, four. So four times Lahovich has been stopped in his career to zero for Rocket, and they're giving you almost coin toss numbers for stoppage that the bet cancels if it goes to decision. I'm putting 50 on Rocket to win 30. Wins inside the distance, goes the distance, no action. It's a profit. You're welcome. Make some money. Enjoy the fights. That's going to do it for throwing jabs. He's Jared Jones. I'm Joe McGuire. Jace Garcia will be back next week. Thanks for watching. Have a good one. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs